We're floating like butterflies and stinging like bees. Rumble, you badass jet pilots, rumble. Welcome to the Wingman Show. I'm Drew Brown. We're here to inspire, entertain, and learn so we can all grow. Happiness and serenity are the keys to you. My, my friend, my wingman, my main man, I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Paul Thompson. Hey, Paul. Good morning, Mr. Drew. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard from the one and only Drew Brown, Dark Gable, the American dream. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's the pilot's pilot, the role model's role model, and most importantly, his royal fullness. Thank you for listening to the podcast, looking at the podcast. And if you could, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. We would appreciate it. I'm doing very good this morning, Mr. Drew. How are you? I'm doing great. You ready to start this show? I'm ready. All right. We'll check this out. Paul, Paul. Drew, Drew, Drew. Can you believe eight town down Atlanta? How about them Atlanta Hawks? I can't believe how far they have gone in the playoffs. It's almost incredible. And you know, you and I are Nick fans, 100% born, bred. We have it in our bloods. And the Knicks, I don't know for you, I'm not going to talk for you, but I'm sure they have let me down for so long. And this year, they gave me a little bit of inspiration and once again, let me down. But I love the Knicks so much, and I love the Giants and the Yankees so much that wherever I live, is they're my second team. So right. Atlanta, 100% is my second team. Right. And I really do get excited when you can root for a team. That just brings me to this. The NBA is so incredible because... At any time your star player gets hurt, it's over. Right. Antacupo got hurt. I mean, who's the other one that's for the L.A. Clippers? Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, their He's superstar out. hurt. Everything right. changes. You can make it all the way to the top, and if your main dude gets hurt, it's over. And I guess I got to refer to LeBron because that's one of the most amazing things about him. He does not. He hasn't gotten hurt much in his career. But that brings us to the NCAA. Didn't you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's like the NCAA finally, uh, I wouldn't say they caved in, but they acquiesced to the Supreme Court decision, allowing athletes to really use their name, image, and likeness and get compensated. Uh, in fact, that just went through a couple of days ago. We talked about it on the last show, but it just became official within the last, what, 48 hours. Yeah, when the show came out, it became official. Yeah, so we 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 predicted the future. Yeah. So already, <laughs> all, you know, all, you know, already there are, there are some athletes who are big time college players or want to be or about to be. They've already they've already trademarked their name and their whatever products they got. Clothing lines coming out. They may be freshmen. They're already working on, it, which is actually very smart. Yeah, sure. I, sure. I don't see I don't see any problem with it. Well, you know what? How about this problem? When I was at Southern University and I, I had a full scholarship, you know, basketball, and I asked my dad training, he trains Ali and everything. I finally said, hey, dad, can you buy me a car? And he said, yes, son, you deserve a car. My daddy sent me $150, Paul, with a note that had the nerve to say, make sure you get good tires. <laughs> and honest to God. And I was like, this has to be a mistake. The bank made a mistake. They're ripping my dad off something. And the reason he did that was he heard a story about Rockefeller. So Rockefeller sent his son to either Harvard or Yale. I'm not sure which one with a Rolls Royce. Okay. 
So the kid pulls up with a Rolls Royce. His roommate uh, dropped out of school. His father pulled him out of school, telling him he can't compete. It's it's almost he's not going to put his son through that. Anyway, I think Rockefeller took the, the Rolls Royce back. The kid went back to school. What does that have to do with me? I have no idea. But <laughs> what, it, what it brings me to, Paul, is what happens when you're at the University of Pittsburgh. We'll pick your school this time. University of Pittsburgh. And one kid is straight out of high school in Arkansas, really good shooter. And the other kid is from L.A. Who knows what? Bing, bang, superstar. You roll up with a Volkswagen from 10 years ago, and he comes in with his Lamborghini. And he doesn't go to class on purpose because he knows exactly what to do up until the draft. I mean, he's been actually, they're actually teaching them. It's a business now. So how does that dynamic work? Well, the, re- the, re- the reality is if, if you're talking about football players, when you talk about it, you know, basketball players and the we'll call one and done thing, you know, to me, you're you're really not you're not a college student unless you're doing stuff on the side, you're doing things in the summer, unless you're really studying. So, you know, six months on a college campus, eight months or whatever from the time you come in to the time you get drafted, that's not that's not a college career or an academic career in anything, not even in in uh, in preschool. So I think that uh if you're that good, say like uh, I don't want to use any names, but guys who've gone to like big time schools like Duke and this, that, and the other, or Kentucky, they're there for a few months. You know, do they go to class? Yes. Don't do they pass? It's kind of like who cares? You know, do they do they pass? Well, uh, I think practice? the rules are they they have to do something just enough. I think to make it through their first semester, because I think the basketball year goes into the second. Something I, I believe okay. that they do have to have some sort of academics. There's probably some, there's probably some minimum requirements because there's been some embarrassing things that came out uh, in the last year or so about some programs for athletes where they took stuff where they they weren't even there and right. they, nobody even taught. It was just like a fictitious kind of thing. So or you could be, be like or you could be like our daughters who both got full rise yours to the air force Academy, mine to the university of Texas playing basketball and get a great education. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. The majority of the kids who don't get notoriety actually do that. And I wanted to talk to you about one other thing. When I coached my kids, this is real important because the dynamic of sports. Now I, I taught my kids always. I don't boo at the other team. I don't even care about the other team. I only motivate the team I'm cheering for. But one of the things I did as when I coached, which some of the greatest years in my life, when I coached my kids, I taught them the word confidence. I taught them the word confidence and confidence is made by practice. If you do things enough times, I think there's even a theory. You have to do something 10,000 times to become great, 10,000 hours to become great. And, uh, you know, that is kind of true. Look how long that we flew before we were proficient. So sure. practice makes confidence and confidence makes success. So that, I just wanted to put that in there because when my kids were up at the plate, the only thing I, I didn't tell them to pick their elbow up. If you haven't taught your kid what to do when he's at the plate, it's too late. Mm-hmm. I yell confidence, confidence. So that's it. I'm going to put that point in there. 
and he could hit the home run. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about the you know the ten thousand. It ten. It's usually ten thousand repetitions. It could be ten thousand hours. It's ten thousand something. And some people would take issue with that too. Uh, there, are, you know, there there are ways to to speed learn speed learning. That doesn't really work for me, but there are people who can do programs in record time, from academic to martial arts by focusing your mind in different ways. Correct. But Paul, you want to know what I've learned in life. The quickest way to do something is do it the right way. The quickest way, you know, I always wanted to find the easy way out. Well, I did find it and it's doing it the right way. The first time it's it's like from point A to point B vector. Yeah. 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 You know, it's basically, you basically, you were trying to, you were trying to easiest way. You probably, you should say, I was trying to do the most efficient way which may be the easiest way or may not be the easiest way. But the problem is if you rush and do things wrong, you have to do it over again anyway, which takes longer. Correct. You know, ultimately. there you go. We learned def- that it takes you longer. You're defeating that whole purpose. I wanted to talk to you about this too. And this is sad. And we, we're going to be upbeat in this show, but we also have to have some reality. In Ethiopia, I just happened to read this. The government of Ethiopia has allowed a ceasefire so aid can come in and feed the people who are starving to death. And to me, is that weird that they're either going to die by war or by starvation, but the definite end for them is death. And sometimes when you're in this country and you think things are so bad and so this and that, we've been privileged enough to travel the world and actually see this. Mm -hmm. And I think if you don't leave your county or you don't leave your city or your borough, you don't get the option to really learn what the world's about. So please tell me what you think about that, because that's incredible. You're going to die by starvation or by the bullet. Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a heartbreaking situation. To me, the craziest thing about that is that it's, it's all over politics. It's all over politics. There's that region they call the Tigray region, T-I-G-R-A-Y, which is in the northern part of the country, north to northwest. And it's part of Ethiopia, but it's like a different region, and they have their own elections, and the rest of the country has their elections. And for some reason, the leader of Ethiopia, I forgot his, his name, but he had they canceled elections because of coronavirus. In the Tigray region, they had their election, and the, the, the parent company where the, uh, the larger part of Ethiopia says, that that election, your election doesn't count. And <laughs> and they're saying, yeah, it does count. Yes, it does. No, it does. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. And basically, that's the re- this is a, that's a political problem. It went to war. They also, there's an area called Eritrea, which is a country which is near Ethiopia. They used to fight. They fought them, too, for 18 years or so, or for a number of years. Then Ethiopia made up with Eritrea. Now, Eritrea and Ethiopia together, and they're and together they are fighting the the Tigray people. It's all it's all a political thing. Same country, you know, people, are people, people are dying. People dying. I think already. You know like, what? It's never the people in power. You yeah. know who are dying? The poor schmucks who go out there. You ever notice that they send the people out there to die? The political parties they're using starvation as a weapon. But look who they're doing, not to the power people, because the power people on both sides in most most countries have something. Yeah, they're not suffering. They have nice suits, they're pretty nice suits that I've seen. Like that's what bothers me about people telling you what you don't have. How come you have it? 
some of our leaders, you know, our so-called leaders. Yeah, you need this. You need that. Well, how the hell are you a millionaire? What did you do? Yeah, right. So that, that just amazed me. My dad wrote about that in the 1950s with my mom. They used to write things. And he said, isn't it funny that young men go and die at war and then old men make another decision to send some more young men out to die some more? Well, that's anyway, that's terrible. And how about this? 116 degrees in Portland. It's so hot. Remember when it used to get so hot, we couldn't land because the tires would melt on the airplane or you couldn't take off because of the friction. You don't think there might be a little bit of global warming or something that they're talking about? We're having bigger hurricanes or is this just a phenomenon? Okay. You know, I'm not being political here. I'm trying to be common sense, common okay. sense. Okay. You know, it, the winters are getting colder. The summers are getting hotter. The weather is becoming more unusual. Do you think there might be a little bit of uh, something that puts it together? It could be. You know, I don't I don't remember anything about tires blowing up or whatever, taking off. I, I thought I think about density altitude It's too freaking hot. But uh, you don't remember that? That was the tire speed. If it was a certain ambient temperature on the runway, you couldn't take off. I'm that trying to think friction trying. on the tire from heat. Okay. I'm trying to think of a limit, a limitation off the top of my head. Tire for, I don't, I don't remember that as a limitation. I ever had to remember, but if you, if you say so, it must it, be true. It's just it that, you know, you had a brake limitation, right? For brakes. Yes. yes well, if yes, the yes. tires were too hot or the brakes were already hot, that limit, that brake limitation would bring that speed back because the t the brakes are already hot. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you're take your go no yeah, go. You're you're, yeah, you're you know it's going to be funny. One of us is right. Yeah, and you're it's probably okay, you're, you. You're, That's you're, the you're, funniest <laughs> part of this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're talking. You're, okay, you're talking about brake energy. I think I think I know where you're going. Okay, brake energy. You're talking about the tires blowing up like like a balloon. That that was the part that was throwing me. Okay, yeah. brake energy. Okay, that's another. How about that's another this? Discussion. You, the funniest part is whatever you're saying is probably right. I'm just okay. Okay, I'm just trying to show people how smart I am. No, your your brain is so big that I'm just trying to get my get my mind around. Yes. Well, you know, now we're talking about the world, which is one of the things that we've been very privileged. You know, why don't you talk about Afghan a little bit and what's what's happening there? You've been oh. to that region, and we've flown over that region many times. Yeah. Well, my 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 daughter spent some time there. Uh, not, I wouldn't call it a vacation, but yeah, the U.S. is uh, pulling out of Afghanistan. They're still negotiating it now in Doha. Doha is is uh, capital of Qatar. I used to pronounce that Q A T A R. I called it Qatar, but it's actually called Qatar. Mm -hmm. That's the proper pronunciation. All right, so what? So you know, what was it worth? Why did they go into Afghanistan? It was from nine eleven. The attacks were planned there. Actually, the attacks were planned in uh, Hamburg, West Germany, but there is a there is a, uh, a trail that led back to the caves in Afghanistan. The U.S. troops are coming out. I think they're all supposed to be out within a couple of days. They're going to leave a few hundred. Let's see. It's it's, it's going to be jacked up anyway because they have to protect the uh, airport at Kabul and uh, not Bagram. Bagram Air Force Base is or Bagram Air Base is going to be. I think turned over to the Afghans. So this would be, I guess, a small security contingent to keep the embassy open and keep the airport going because the airport's the only way you're going to get out of there. Uh, just a big mess as part of Central Asia. 
you get all these stands. A lot of people don't know the stands. You got uh, the five I remember. You got Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan. Uh, Pakistan is Southern Asia, but that's that Central Asia region. Uh, there's no good thing about it. The Taliban are taking over the country. They've got they've got half of it now as the U.S. is withdrawing, and they'll probably have all of it in a very short time. Is the Taliban a form a real formal government? Uh, I think they're trying they're trying to be because the way it was like you know tell the Al Qaeda Al Qaeda is a thing. Okay, they Al Qaeda did the attack on from nine eleven. And they got formed as a result of uh, a fighting force to resist the Soviets when the Soviets were there. That was formed by Osama bin Laden. He was a head guy, and he did some stuff with the CIA when they were fighting the uh, uh, Russians, and they were okay. No kidding. Then they became, you know, not okay when, uh, you know, he he kind of went rogue. Uh, the Taliban came up, as I recall, after really after this. Well, they were they were fighting during during the Soviet invasion, but they were also fighting the government because the government was communist then, and they wanted to be they were anti communist Islamic, and uh, Soviets are gone, so I guess that communist uh, influence is gone. So they want the whole thing. So they've always been kind of an Islamic political arms, I understand it. And what it you like think they, about what you think about it when you spent time over there? I've only, well, close I got, you know, I've been, I've been to Kazakhstan a number of times. I've been to a, a city called El Mahdi. That was a layover. Very interesting place. Not a lot of, not a lot of folks stayed there. Only U.S. Uh, pilots I knew were FedEx folks and uh, some UPS folks. I think we stayed at the home, same hotel. And there were a few American expats who retired at 60 pilots, and they went and flew for Air Astana. Astana is the capital city of uh, Kazakhstan. Wow. And a uh, very interesting place. It's not, it's not Russia. They didn't consider themselves Russia. In fact, they considered it insulting if they were called Russian. So I thought very interesting. Uh, first time I was there, it was like, it's like, you're, it was like a black and white movie out of the 1950s. It's cold and wintertime and very depressing. It could be kind of nice in the summer, actually. Uh, <clears throat> very interesting place. I have some neighbors three doors down from, from Kazakhstan. They must be really happy here. Yeah, they, they seem to be, they seem to be happy. <laughs> yeah, and Kazakhstan is big, but in Kazakhstan has a lot of oil too. Uh, I met a number of folks who worked in the oil fields in Kazakhstan and uh, it's a vast area. Uh, when the Russian spacecraft would come back, they typically would land. They always landed on, on land and they would always land in Kazakhstan. It's oh. a big territory. And Scott, suppose he has as, as much oil as Iraq, I'd heard. Doc, Dr. Thompson, you are so smart. It's crazy how smart you are. Guess what? Remember last week we were talking about women and how oppressed they've been. Well, you know, they've also been, we were talking about, you looked up in the air like, you don't know what I'm talking about. I was talking about religions, how religions didn't allow women to um, ascend to the top of their, uh, you know, echelon to be rabbis and real Orthodox Jewish and priest and all that. Anyway, guess in sports also, you and I have been very, very privileged to be introduced to women's sports through our daughters. Mm -hmm. I mean, through high school into college, and we got to see them play basketball and, you know, shout out to college athletics, to women athletics. You, you know that women actually play 
real basketball now. They don't use their physical abilities to outweigh the real way to play basketball. So mm-hmm. they're watching them are incredible and they have grown so much. I love watching women's sports now because of my daughter, mm-hmm. but there something happened with my favorite team, the New York Yankees. And uh, I think it's a great story. Would you like to tell us about that story? Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I guess a young lady in 1961 wrote a letter to, uh, I guess, the head of the Yankees, and she wanted to be, was it a Batgirl or something? Uh, yeah, she wanted, to, you know, she wanted to be a Batgirl. And the, uh, the Yankees wrote back then saying, well, no, this is really not a, this is a place for, for males, and you'd be very uncomfortable if you, were, if you were to come. Thank you, but no thanks. And I guess somebody got the letter to to the manager of the Yankees now, and he allowed her to come in. She's 70. She is 70 years old. So it was like 61 years later. They let her throw out a pitch in the game. And I think I sent you a picture of her actually doing it. I'm showing it right now. People who watched us on YouTube, don't forget to give us a thumbs up. But, you know, you can watch this show on YouTube also. So they're seeing it right now, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Maybe please like, share, and subscribe, and pass to your friends, people you like and people you don't like. It might help them. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's a nice story, and I think the the moral of the story is to you know don't give up, keep persevering. You never know. You I never think know. good. I'll tell you what, with the eleven facts in life, good will always overcome evil. I say, or oh, it's not worth waking up. It's time for the wingman story. And since we're talking about women, I want to tell you about my wingman, and that's my wife Katrina. Uh, she definitely stopped me from using the n-word now my n-word is never because three days before i met her i said i will never get married again never i probably said it so many times that shorty said okay let's make this quick and three days before i was to leave to saint thomas to live in the virgin islands i met katrina now you gotta remember now who who is shorty for those who may have just tuned in for the first time Shorty is somebody bigger than I am. I am not to tell you what you call your power. I'm not okay. to tell you what most people call him God. Other people call him other names. That's none of my business. I call okay. him Shorty. And the reason, Paul, is my dad taught me that. It's because he always said, guess what? You ever notice the big shots always pushing the short guy to the side, just moving them out of the way like they're mm-hmm. so important? My dad said, you better be careful who you're pushing. That short guy just may be taking notes, meaning that might be God right there who you just pushed. Anyway, getting back to the story, my wife, you know, my personality and you know me for a very long time. We're about to celebrate 20 years of marriage and I have to give it to anybody who could put up with me is freaking incredible. I agree. I have softened a lot. I have become a lot wiser, but she is such a good balance for me, just like you're a good balance for me. And Shorty's given me a love that she's just a wonderful person. She's so nice that her and my ex-wife are friends, and she passed the Taryn test. Now, listen to this. My daughter, if you pass the Taryn test, you're in like Flint. What is that? Uh, Taryn's really hard on especially women that I used to date in between that little moment of hmm. when me, Laurie and myself were separated and got divorced up until the time I married Katrina. So during that time, a couple of women that might have called the house, and I heard her speak like I... I could not believe it. I I did the Michael Jackson back in the bathroom like I never heard the conversation. 
And he had to say, when I called the girl the next time, she was like, don't ever call me again. Oh, okay. I am not going to die by the hands of your daughter. Don't ever call me again. So okay. anyway, she passed that Taryn test. She's one of those kind of women that if you don't like Katrina, there's something wrong with you. Not not her. You know, okay. I'm not like that. You know, if you don't like me. I probably rub you the wrong way, which I don't mean to. But my wingman is my wife, Katrina, and I love her dearly. So that's, that's great. Everybody loves everybody likes Katrina. Yes. And you have to have somebody next to you because some, you know, everybody in life are going to have ups and downs. And I've just learned this. You know, it's the people that stick with you through your downs. And don't forget that times of struggle are times of growth. Every time something bad happens to me, I learn from it. Or I look back in my life and I talk about Shorty a lot. And I hope I'm not offending anybody. But I look back on my life and the decisions I would have made would have got me not having this show. I probably wouldn't be here. But the decisions that somebody else made who I happen to call Shorty is perfect. They're perfect. They're freaking perfect. It's almost like, you know, the number seven comes up every single day. Why are you betting on eight today? So I've been very blessed. We've both been very blessed. And I love you, Paul. Love you, too. Remember, a wise man that said, your life may be perfect, but you may not know it yet. Oh, wow. I think that was you about 20 years ago. Wow. Thanks, Paul. I love you, Paul. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for having me on. And ladies and gentlemen, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. We'd appreciate it. 100%. We hope you enjoyed our show. We truly thank you for your time. It's our most valuable commodity. So we're still floating like butterflies and stinging like bees. Rumble, you badass jet pilots, rumble. Dr. Paul Thompson, Drew Brown, we both say goodbye. See you guys later. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye.